Today I'd like to talk about justice and mercy. I want to read a scripture from the prophet Micah, where he addresses justice. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, a bit of background on this, so that we can see what led up to Micah making this statement about justice and mercy. See, the prophet Micah had a burden for justice to be seen amongst God's people, Israel. In chapter 3, Micah opposes two groups in Jerusalem, the spiritual and the secular authorities. First, he opposes some of the other prophets because they were misleading the people and unjustly using their position and power for their own advantage. He said, the prophets lead my people astray. And that's Micah 3 verse 5. The second group against which Micah speaks are the political leaders and rulers in Jerusalem because he says, they eat the flesh of my people, which simply means that they took advantage of the people financially and materially and oppressed them. In all of these passages, it's clear that what motivates Micah is concern for this unjust use of power against his own people. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now let's have a look at justice. Because Jesus also had a burden to see God's justice amongst his own people, Israel. Unlike Micah, Jesus confronted the religious political power base of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus told them that they were ignoring the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy and faith. That's in Matthew chapter 23. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was threatened and insulted, he did not threaten and insult back again, but he committed himself humbly into the hands of his Father. And it says in 1 Peter 2, when he did that, it was because he knew that the Father judged righteously on his behalf. He settles the score his way and in his time. Now Jesus didn't have to fight against injustice because he knew where to find true justice. It comes when you put things into God's hands the way Jesus did. And that's why Jesus talked about turning the other cheek, loving your enemies, doing good to those who hate you, all those scriptures that annoy everyone. They're just so hard to do. And they're especially reinforced in the New Testament. And Paul speaks also in the New Testament from Romans chapter 12 about doing good to those that hate you and blessing those that curse you. And the interesting thing is that this is not the way that we, in our entire human history, have ever organised our system of justice. It seems that we follow and have followed, it seems like forever, 
the simple reward and punishment model that we see everywhere. The scriptures that talk about that in the New Testament, about the reward and punishment system, are actually talking about the need for law and order in society. It's not saying for us to take that into our own hands. The Bible says we are to honour the king, obey the laws of the land, be subject to the magistrates. Paul says that and Peter the Apostle also speaks about it. And they're letting us know that it's God who gives these leaders the authority to have this responsibility of administering justice so that we, all of us, are being protected by these ones that have been appointed. The Bible says these are God's servants attending to these things to punish the evildoers and approve of those who do good so that we can live an ordered, peaceful life. So common justice ultimately belongs to God. It's good to be able to go back and track where these fundamental, basic axioms and truths of life, like justice, where they come from. Well, obviously they come from God. And we see this in these scriptures. And we see it in the way that that God delegates authority for that to happen. God even said in the Old Testament that the consequences of people's evil deeds will catch up with them in due time because justice ultimately belongs to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, he says, Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them, because vengeance is mine and recompense. So that it's not always just the immediate judgment of God. It is very often the consequences of people's evil doings that catch up with them, so they bring that upon themselves. But Jesus made it clear that the law was not only about judgment of good and evil. He said the most important aspects of the law were justice, mercy and faith. Because it comes out of relationship, true justice. That's because God didn't create us just to devise a judgment system to deal with good and evil and maybe enjoy a relation with us on the way. He created us to enjoy a loving relationship with him as his children and to unfold the amazing mystery of his mercy and forgiveness to deal with the problem of good and evil and judgment on the way. And Jesus didn't have to fight evil with power and violence. He absorbed the full sum of all the evil of humanity on the cross. This is the wonderful mystery of God's relational justice system. He used another kind of power called forgiveness. 
His last words on the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. His death became our freedom from judgment. And his resurrection became the powerful way of living a transformed life. Jesus was showing us the nature of the Father towards his children, forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness and mercy are not commonplace in our social dealings with each other because unlike God, we've made forgiveness and mercy conditional upon who deserves it. We've learned that it's more efficient to negotiate our own reward and punishment systems of justice that we can manage, we're in charge of. This includes the blaming and shaming and judgment of people against one another that's seen everywhere today. It's a payback power play that invites the same payback treatment in return. And it never transforms anyone. It just creates a cycle of further resentment and payback. And we see this not just with individuals, but in groups. Many people will align themselves with a group ideology or a set of policies, political policies. And they'll blame and shame another group with a different set of ideologies and policies. Now, God sees those people in the group as individuals that he is mercifully and patiently trying to redeem and transform. That's why the Holy Spirit has been sent into the world. Not to judge, but to convict, to speak into people's hearts, that they would respond and have a change of heart and find the mercy of God and want to respond with thanksgiving for that mercy and be changed. Now, if we don't see those people in the other group as individuals in this way, we can become blinded to the darkness within our own individual souls that God is also mercifully and patiently trying to redeem and transform. It's like adopting a group identity and saying, we're all the good guys and those other folks are a little less worthy than us. And it's like a block judgment. Now, God doesn't allow justice to be dealt out that easily or that unwisely. It is a personal thing. It is for each one to relate to God and find his real justice and mercy and forgiveness and transforming change. Now, there are, of course, wonderful examples all around us of individuals showing compassion and mercy for other people that are weak or vulnerable. And it doesn't matter what group they might belong to. And that's just a startling reminder that humanity is created in the image of God. So that capacity for compassion and mercy is very much a reality within every heart. And it's an observable fact that Comforting and caring for someone who is suffering softens the human heart that is doing the caring, no matter what the group is. And an even greater dimension of that kind of comfort and mercy is ours 
when we receive an understanding and revelation of the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter who lives within us. The Holy Spirit shows us the compassion that Jesus had for all of us and that we can have for one another, thoughts of kindness and mercy. An amazing prophecy through the prophet Zechariah, which was to Israel, but when prophecies are spoken to Israel, they're also speaking to us. They're speaking to us as the church. They're speaking to us as humanity about the plans of God to gather people to himself. And this was a, a prophecy about the heart of kindness and compassion that we would receive when we'd finally come to understand the Father's heart of grief that he felt when he sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And Holy Spirit has carried that mercy and compassion from the Father to the Son and to us for one another. I'll read you the scripture in Zechariah chapter 12. It says, I'll pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and mercy, so that when they look on him whom they have pierced, they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And from that mourning will flow a spirit of kindness and prayer and a fountain of living waters will flow out from them. And that's something that is happening within us through the new covenant relationship. I will have mercy on their unrighteousness, their sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. And each one will know me from the least to the greatest. That's the path we're on. That's God solving the problem of good and evil because his real heart is to relate to us as his children and grow us into his likeness. And then part of what Micah said in that scripture, in Micah chapter 6, after he'd spoken about to do justly and love mercy, he says, and walk humbly with your God. And just as Jesus showed a humble trust when he committed all justice into the hands of his father against the threats and the insults of his enemies, we see how King David also walked humbly with his God. There's a story of King David which shows that he had an understanding of the balance between his status as a king and humility before God. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, David is riding with his men on the ridge of a mountain and he's accosted by this aggressive person called Shimei who had a grudge against David because David had killed his friends and family in a war. And this man cursed David as he rode along and threw stones at him, accusing him of being a man of blood, a murderer. And David's companions, who were riding on his right and on his left-hand side, they wanted to take off Shimei's head, saying, why should this dead dog curse the king? But David showed a godly restraint and humility and he replied to his men along these lines, If God has sent this man to tell me what I'm really like, then I cannot destroy him for that. And on the other hand, 
If God has not sent him, then God will deal with the matter and even repay me good for this cursing of me today. So when we can have faith that humbly accepts that God is at work to show himself just and faithful and merciful on our behalf, we find his grace to surrender the power of justice and judgment into his hands. It's a mistake for us to think that God could never be that generous with his amazing grace to actually bring perfect justice to bear for us. We think, well, I'm not worthy of that. I don't deserve that. Perhaps if I'd acted more compassionate, I would deserve that. God says, I want you to be humble enough to accept it. And don't make it all about you and what you deserve. It is about me and my bigness in my long suffering, my waiting mercifully for you to have a, an opportunity. I don't want you to live in a world of lost opportunities, in a downward spiral of giving up on yourself, which is really giving up on me. Trust in my goodness, my mercy, my forgiveness, my new covenant, my desire to have you respond to me as a child and to gratefully say thank you, Father, and to know the transforming work that that does in your heart. And also to know that because that has enlarged your heart of faith, and allowed my compassion to now dwell within your heart and soul, you can give that from me, as it were, to those that are in need for that mercy, for that justice that you are able to administer to them. Now, if we can receive that grace, we can then live in peace and bring peace into our world. And the Lord bless you all. Amen.